The adversaries of Jesus, you know, the Pharisees, thought that they had gotten control of their schedule. They thought that if they knew what day it was, they knew what they could do and couldn't do. Now, getting control of your schedule is no small matter, especially for us modern people who live in a demanding rat race economy. We have learned along the way through the ages that we're supposed to make the most of the time. You know, we're supposed to achieve and accomplish and succeed and get things done. And we have all kinds of devices and activities and ways of working so that we can do this 24 seven days a week. One of the biggest challenges in these particular days about returning to normal, about opening the economy, about getting back to in-person school and in-person life, it's really about, well, returning to the rat race if we're not careful, that rat race of accomplishing and achieving and succeeding and getting things done. The insatiable demands of the economy and of life can dictate so much about us. Actually, uh, the Pharisees hadn't really gotten control of their schedule. Their schedule had gotten control of them. They followed rules about what they could and could not do instead of paying attention to the rule giver. We have to watch out for the same thing. So as faithful people, we are instructed to resist life's insatiable pressures and we're called to live balanced lives, anchored in God and loving and serving God. Listen to this passage from Exodus 20. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that's in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath and consecrated it. And now listen to this story from the New Testament, from the Gospel according to Matthew. I'm reading from chapter 12. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain to eat. When the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. And Jesus said to them, Have you not read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which was not lawful for him or his companions to eat, but only for the priests. Or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath the priest in the temple break the Sabbath and yet are guiltless? I tell you, 
Something greater than the temple is here. But if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus left that place and entered the synagogue. A man was there with a withered hand and they asked him, So is it lawful to cure on the Sabbath? So that they might accuse him. Jesus said to them, Suppose one of you has only one sheep, and that sheep falls into a pit on the Sabbath. Will you not lay hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a human being than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and it was restored as sound as the other hand. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So do you have control over your schedule? Or does it have control over you? Or put another way, do you you pay more attention to your calendar or to the unfolding of your one precious life? We've been living in these past five months under very interesting and challenging circumstances. So very much about our prior life has been disrupted. So much that was familiar has been displaced. This seems to be a very important time, moment, to think about our schedules. To think about our time to think about the meaning and purpose of Sabbath. And as we think about Sabbath and think about keeping Sabbath and how we might do it better, perhaps we can anchor our lives in God and discover not frazzled and weary lives, but discover encouragement. Encouragement in the journey of trusting God and serving God. The fourth commandment from Exodus 20 reminds us that for Christians and Jews, life is set up according to a certain seven-day pattern. Six days of work, followed by one day of rest. This is what God did. This is what we do. Having created everything in six days, God paused. God rejoiced in creation. God rested and God blesses the day. So, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. A little later in Exodus, actually in chapter 31, we learn what happened to the Creator on the seventh day when God rested. We get a little more insight. Our translations all say God rested and God was refreshed. But the Hebrew word translated refreshed is the verbal form of the word self, nafish. That is, God was re-selfed after the depleting work of creation. Working depletes the self. God is refreshed, rather, re-selfed on the seventh day. Likewise, the human self is depleted. Depleted or talked out or spent or worn out of the self 
after six rigorous days of rat race trying to achieve and accomplish and succeed and, and get things done, we're depleted like God. Hence, remember the Sabbath. This is the day for recovery, for replenishment, for celebration, for reordering, for renewing, for recentering the human self. Sabbath becomes essential for the well-being of life. However, we all have trouble. We have trouble honoring the Sabbath. We are so easily and quickly lured into the rat race economy. We are so often seduced by endless busyness. How are you doing? Well, I'm busy. It seduces us. We are captured by 24-7 electronic connection and by so many other interests and preoccupations that, friends, honestly can numb our hearts and steal away our souls, the very essence of who we are. We have trouble finding ways to be re-selfed, refreshed, too often, our lives feel depleted and drained and overly burdened and beat down. The point of Sabbath, it's a gift from God to help us find life and life in abundance, reselfed. It is God's plan, exemplified by God and God's self, that the rigors of life can wear us out. Accomplishing, achieving, acquiring, succeeding, it, it can become debilitating, exhausting. So the rhythm of life should include regular, built-in time for refreshment, for renewal, for regeneration. It's for our souls. It's for our very selves, the essence of who we are. It's for our faith. It's for our bodies. It's for everything about us. A gift from God. For Christians, our Sabbath keeping, our Sabbath practicing, best happens perhaps on Sunday. And so on that day, we link our lives with the Jews and we affirm our relationship to the Creator who rested on the seventh day. We also celebrate the joyful memory of the liberation from slavery out of Egypt. And then we add as Christians to these celebrations the weekly festival for the source of our greatest joy, Christ's resurrection and his victory over all that's evil and, and death-giving. We have to celebrate that every week. We get to celebrate that every week. So if we can, we try to focus our Sabbath keeping on Sunday, a day for sincere renewal and refreshment and rejoicing in God who sustains us all. In these particular days when life is so different, when life is uh, unfolding so uniquely for all of us and the rhythms have been so disrupted, how are we to think faithfully and helpfully about the Sabbath? We all very much 
need Sabbath to be part of our lives as faithful people. Well, we can first take our instructions from the Scriptures. The commandment says, honor the Sabbath. God did, we should. Here is one of the Ten Commandments, one of the expectations for faithful living. Sabbath keeping, Sabbath uh, remembering is that our lives cannot be defined by the production and consumption demands of the world. We live by a different rhythm as God's people. We live by God's rhythm. rhythm. In Egypt, as slaves, work without a break shaped everything about life. Life was about producing bricks, working every day for Pharaoh. There was no rest or relief from the incessant production requirements day after day. But God's people live after Egypt, out of slavery, not according to Pharaoh, but with and according to God. So in the ancient world, Sabbath broke the spell of production. In our world, Sabbath invites us to live in a new way, in the rule of God that contradicts the fatiguing world of racing and going and buying and doing. We seek, and we have to work at it and keep working at it, to resituate our lives in God's life, in God's realm, in God's time, in God's purposes. Sabbath reminds us that God rests. We must rest, lest we become just like the slaves in Egypt. We can also take our cues from Jesus and from his controversial encounter with the Pharisees. Jesus argues with the Pharisees about Sabbath, but Jesus doesn't say that Sabbath rules are bad. And Jesus doesn't say that his friends can do anything they want on the Sabbath. Rather, Jesus asserts that his purposes trump the Sabbath. His purposes are about healing and wholeness, nourishment and strength for the journey. The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. God cares about mercy and justice more than the strict rules for a certain day. God cares about us finding nourishment and healing. God cares about the restoration of the community more than any restrictions. The focus is not on the rule, but on life and life in abundance provided by God. In God's reign, in God's time, all time, including Sabbath time, are for the sake of restoration and wholeness and well-being. That means that Sabbath as we practice it in our lives, should be focused on the same thing. What brings restoration to our lives? What brings reselfing and replenishment to our hearts and to our well-being? What brings wholeness? We should give attention to those kind of endeavors as we try to practice Sabbath. So, Let's begin to get specific about this. Sabbath is the intentional setting aside of time, ideally one day a week, but other times when we can, 
to be refreshed, to be replenished, to be renewed, to be re-selfed from the rigors of life, the rigors of work. This is God's plan for us. So what should we really try to avoid on Sabbath when we really seek to be refreshed and re-selfed? This is the day that wants and needs to be different, different from other days. What should we not be doing? As a basic guideline, I think we get closer to faithfulness and Sabbath keeping when we strive as best we can for no work, no commerce, and no worry. To refrain from work, one day opens up for us a certain humility. Hey, the world can get along without our work. God's sufficient grace can take care of the world. The world can get along without our continuing every day. It may be hard for some of us, but to let go of work opens us up. Opens us up for glad and generous relationships, opens us up for other areas of life that just might replenish us, like nature, like time with loved ones and friends, time with God, time with prayer, time which can be restorative, time that can be regenerative. And to let go of commerce would also be helpful. Buying and spending are all too often related to work. And buying and spending commerce creates work for other people. Why not take a break from shopping? Wouldn't it be refreshing? Wouldn't it be life-giving? Give it a try. You know what? Some discipline from us could be super helpful and important at Sabbath-keeping. It might well lead us into this wholesome life of being refreshed as God's people. And worry, worry, it may be difficult to banish away all of our concerns from our hearts and our minds, but we can certainly strive to refrain from the activities that summon worries, like paying bills or making lists or checking emails. Remember the goal. The goal is God's good gift. It's to restore us, to Reself us to find wholeness and health for faithful living. We seek to avoid work and commerce and worry. A nice goal for all of us. And what should we be doing on the Sabbath? Well, most importantly, we should worship God. We should join our hearts and our lives with others in singing and praying and affirming our faith and hearing afresh about God's promises and God's presence in the midst of our lives and in the midst of our crazy world. Many of us have discovered in these pandemic days just how very important corporate worship really is to our lives. We miss being together. We miss joining our hearts in this sacred space and filling up this sanctuary with our singing and our praying. We miss it. Worship 
intends to shape our life, shape our week. We link our lives in communion at this table and we link our lives in service to God as we leave this place and go unified as a body and individually members of it seeking to serve God and growing in selflessness. This is what happens in worship. Worship is meant to be a festival. It's meant to be a celebration of goodness over evil. It's meant to give us hope, to motivate us that can so easily haunt our lives. Worship intends to motivate us for faithful living. Worship allows us to participate in the drama of God that is promising to shape us and shape the whole world toward justice and peace and light and joy everywhere. Worship reminds us whose we are and what our life is about, loving God and serving God in the world. And then after worship, what else might be good on the Sabbath for faithful people? What most of us need is time with others. Genuine time building connections, increasing love, enjoying life, maybe music, maybe art, maybe recreation, nature. Maybe some of us need a nap. I know somebody I live with loves a Sunday afternoon nap, or maybe time of solitude, or something else that brings that healing, that sense of refreshment, walking, playing music, doing something that nurtures faith and increases our theological thinking and our depth, nourishment for our souls. Refreshment for our lives, strength for the rest of the week. Whatever we do or do not do should lead us, help us to find wholeness. Fixing a fine meal maybe, eating, playing, taking delight in nature and in one another are all wonderful ways of faithful people keeping Sabbath. It's not about legalism. It's about refreshment. It's about feeling reselfed to be able to live faithfully in the world and we all need it so much listen to this quote from our friend will williman the needs of the world are too great the suffering and the pain too extensive the lures of the world too seductive for us to begin to change the world unless we are changed, unless conversion of life and morals becomes our pattern. The status quo is too alluring. It's the air we breathe. It's the food we eat. The 6.30 news, the institutions, the theologies, the politics. The only way we shall break its hold on us is to be transferred, transferred, to another dominion, to be cut loose from our old certainties. And one helpful way to get there is to practice Sabbath keeping for renewal, for transformation, to be reselfed for faithful life as disciples. Let's keep 
working on Sabbath keeping. To God be the glory. Amen. Let us pray. Holy God, to turn from you is to fall. To turn to you is to rise. To stand with you to strive for Sabbath keeping and faithfulness, O God, that is to abide forever. We seek that way, following Christ our Lord, who keeps showing us the way. Bless us, keep us. We commit our lives to Christ our Lord. Amen.